Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. The U.S. Market Update with Money FM 89.3. All right, folks, here's how markets are looking like as we kick off the last week of 2023. For US markets, they started the week in the green. So the S&P 500 up 0.4%. And this closes at 4,775, pushing it closer to record levels. The Nasdaq Composite up 0.5%. And the Dow Jones Industrial Average gained around 160 points or around 0.4% to close at 37,545. For more insights, we are joined by Alexander Morris. He is the Chief Investment Officer at FM Investments. Alexander, thanks for joining us on the show today. Thanks for having me. Now, great having you on. So let's talk about what's playing out in the markets right now. We are seeing some, well, I'm not sure whether to call it optimism coming back into the markets right now because it is weaker volumes as we go about the holiday season. What do you make of the momentum going into the new year? Well, certainly the, the Santa Rally has held up and that's been a nice uh, gain for traders. But I, we wonder if, I wonder if there isn't a little much of exuberance um, that's entering the market based just largely on a handful of comments on a more dovish bed. Mm. And the market may be getting a little ahead of itself here, pricing in too much uh, Fed cuts too soon in the market. Uh, but in the short term, I guess if you're an equity trader and you bought in the last quarter of the year, you're pretty happy with the return you've gotten over the last 90 days. I just don't know if that's going to hold up for the next 90. Yeah, Alexander, it's quite interesting how this year has been a year of Hikes next year, you could see a year of cuts. And if you look at the 10-year bonds, we've been just above 5% two months ago. Now we are under 4%. So we are seeing quite dramatic moves in the bond markets these days. Uh, we are. And the 10-year bond has you know, always been a very attractive place to be. So it's actually more surprising that it stayed so low for so long, really just you know, how interesting demand was on the 10-year. On the but then once the Japanese Central Bank stopped pegging its 10-year bond, the U.S. 10-year bond rose, which brought it up to 5%. Uh, and then there seemed to be a natural you know, ceiling at that point. It, was, it could never quite eke past 5 And then the first bit mm. of good economic news from the Fed, it retreated pretty quickly to 4 which long-term is not a bad place for the 10-year to be. That's, that's a good bond to hold and own. It's a fair coupon rate to be earning for a 10-year risk uh, in U.S. assets. I think that the interesting part, if you look at the curve, is though what happened just on the long end of all bonds, and that was that we didn't get that de-inversion that everyone is so afraid of as a harbinger of, of recession, which is a sudden crash on the short end. The short end has remained strong. Even today, the 90-day, you know, the risk-free rate is still trading at about 5.4%, which is a number that most traders, you know, on the street mm-hmm. today will have never seen, you know, except for the past 12 months. So. It'll be interesting to see how we how folks navigate this and what trade they'd like to make as you hit the first part of the year. And the Fed doesn't necessarily cut. You know, this year was a year of anticipation. Mm. Uh, next year is probably is shaping up to be the exact same. Yeah, Alexander, you point out a couple of um, good points. And the year before, we had a pretty bad year for bonds. This year, we're hoping for bonds to be back. Not really the case. So going to next year, 
what would be the playbook for bonds? Has it all been priced in already? Where do we see the levels? Um, because you've got a bit of disconnect between what the Fed's signaling and what the market's expecting right now. Certainly the market, the equity markets, and the bond market in general is sort of bullying the Fed into reducing rates. But from a you know, midterm bond length, two to five years, maybe even out to 10, I like investment-grade corporate bonds. I think most of those folks are refinancing now because they need to. We've been through a long enough period that their bonds have worn out. They need more fresh capital. And I think it's great to buy those new issues and stay on a much more current coupon rate. Mm-hmm. Because long-term, when we buy a bond, we're thinking about regular flows of income. But when we see a yield, the yield is what happens if we hold that bond till the day it matures. So you might buy a bond today because you like the yield, but find out that its coupon rate is one or one and a half percent, and you're going to wait until for another four or five years to realize that full yield. The new issues that will be coming out next year will have much juicier coupons attached to them. And I think investors are going to like, to, like, like those because they'll be able to rely upon a greater cash flow for the next few years. All right. So this is a great time to talk about your portfolio allocation. You've got juicier yields to look forward to. So what does it mean for your portfolio in top of the 60-40 ratio and within that 60 for equities? You know, where do you put your money, growth, value, and what else is in the market? So what's the approach here, Alexander? Uh, so we, we never believed the 60-40 portfolio was dead. And the instant everyone started saying that was true was probably the exact moment that folks should have picked up that allocation methodology again. Um, but we still like a barbell in the short to mid end of the curve. Um, you know, so we like safer assets that are paying high yield. We'd like to add some credit risk this year. So in that 40, you know, split between treasuries globally uh, and then corporates, U.S. corporates. And then within the equity allocation, you know, despite higher valuations, we still like tech stocks, growth stocks of that nature. Value stocks always seem to have a short rally and then, then they retreat. Mm. But some of the larger growth names have proven, regardless of interest rate risk, regardless of market condition, they still seem to grow. And as an equity investor, you care about just growing stock price. And mm-hmm. the, the big, the magnificent seven and a handful of folks in the halo of those firms have proven time and time again to be resilient. And we think that's where you should be. I suppose the trend into a friend in this case, if you're going to next year. Yeah, so I think that the key as we start to reposition ourselves for, for next year is how do we, you know, how do we take the tax losses we can this year and, and reposition ourselves with an idea of next year is going to need to be nimble, right? The first six months of the unknown. This is when, you know, some banks are calling for the Fed to make sudden cuts and we just don't think they're going to happen. And that will mean the market's going to be more volatile uh, between now and then. Mm. So you need to be positioned not only to take advantage of the turn when it happens, but also to stomach any potential volatility that happens between now and, say, the back of July 1st when we think the Fed will start actually you know, starting to cut. And when its messaging will turn from just pure words into actions. Yeah, Alexander, besides the Fed, Another big moment we are going to be watching out for next year is the U.S. elections. Typically, it comes with a lot of campaign promises, a lot of spending. How will that affect the markets? Uh, so I think the first part is the Fed wants to get out of the way of the campaigns and of the election. So it's going to try to position itself through narrative where it's just following through on the back end of the year, as opposed to be seen as favoring any one party or one policy on the back end. Uh, but in going into it in general, Lower rates are good for both parties. 
So I think you'll see lots of promises based on spending, uh, very, you know, some tax concessions, but not very many. Uh, and, and I think in general, you're going to see as, thing, as we find a candidate, depending upon which candidate that is, the equity markets will either be modestly excited or very excited. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any candidate, though, that the market is, is going to be fully against. And I think that's, that's generally good for investors. But right now, the, the, the dominant force is the market bullying the Fed and the Fed trying to push back against that. And neither of those two forces really want to come in conflict with uh, the election. So they'll try to get all of their energies out before then. And then once the election happens, it'll be the reset button. And that'll be a whole new set of factors that start driving it. All right. Lots of potential reasons for investors to get excited about next year. I've been chatting with Alexander Morris. He is the Chief Investment Officer at FM Investments. Alexander, thanks for your time this morning. It's been great chatting with you. Thank you. All right. We'll catch up with you again. Stay Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.